like sometimes you don't want to just talk about something. You just won't talk about nothing. Hello, and welcome to the Double Dippers podcast, where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, pretty much anything. But this week, we're talking about Minari and the Oscars. Hello, and welcome to the Double Dippers podcast, where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, pretty much anything. Um, But you can't forget about the friendship. Don't you forget it. This week... We are talking about Minari, um, and we're super excited. Um, I'm Jared. Um, welcome, fellow Dippies, and let me introduce you to the other people that are going to be dipping into Minari with me. Aziel, how are you doing? Good. I'm actually just quite shocked at how good you are at our slogan. You just are on point with delivering that every time. So that's my comment to start the day. Well, thank you. I try. I've done it enough times now. It's just like in my head all day, every day. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? Matt is our other dippy today. Yeah, man, I'm doing really well. It's a good day. I'm excited to talk about Minari. The day was a good day. <laughs> yeah, me too. And Cosmo is not able to join us today. He's got he's got babies. Now he's got a lot going on. Um, true. So it's been kind of hard for him to watch the movie, but we're excited to be here. We're excited to talk about it. And we're going to talk about Minari and the Oscars. And before we get into... Minari. First of all, if you like our podcast, you can give us a review on iTunes. Um, and then also, um, we'll be talking about um, yeah, the Oscars, but Minari, if you have not seen Minari because it's hard to watch, first of all, I think we can easily say, I mean, I loved it. So I think if you can try to watch it, you should. It was good. I don't know your boys' thoughts if you... And here's the thing, what ends up happening is because the Oscars just happened, mm-hmm. they re-release these films Ooh. and they create more time. So like for me in Boise, right. Minari only showed 9.20 p.m. at one theater. After yes. the Oscars, there's like a 3.45, there's a 7.05, there's a mm-hmm. 6.45 at Rick's Cafe Americana, you know what I'm saying? So just there's options. I think you can totally see it without paying 20 bucks to rent it off of uh, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, but if you do not want to spend 20 bucks or look at some obscure theater that's 45 minutes away, that's what I have to do sometimes if I want to watch an Oscar movie, um, you can listen to us and we'll just tell you what it's about. And it'll, you know, it won't like, I still think the movie's worth watching whether you listen to us talk about it or not. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to say something. Okay, do it, Aziel. Like I always do. Um... I'm just saying, if everyone is patient enough, the streaming services always pick it up. I'm just saying, I am poor, and it ain't no joke. And I always see the Oscar films get picked up by the streaming services. People just got to be patient. Hmm. If you're willing to be patient, it will go to streaming for free. That almost hmm. always happens. We don't I don't know Minari's. Huh? I'll go ahead. Minari is like the only one right now that's not being like, you know, is not available for stream or direct to purchase. Um, what was the other one? The I've been trying to watch The Father. I really want to watch it. And oh yeah, Dylan, right I now. saw that. In, yeah, we saw that in theaters. I wasn't I thinking about Rex that. You. Oh, it wrecks you. I want oh to see my that. gosh, so bad. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go off on that one. Um, well, I mean, he won. <clears throat> he did win um but yeah if people are willing to be patient and for the oscar buzz to die down and then you know 
they make their sales and all that stuff. It's always released. I'm going back and watching Oscar film nominees from like one, two years ago that mm -hmm. are, you know, now available on mass streaming services. So I think if people are just willing to be patient. That's awesome. So yeah, but we will still go into the movie and try to kind of explain some of the things in case you haven't seen it. Um, Cause we, we want you guys to, to envision it, you know, to be part of it with us, but We'll also just talk about it and we're excited. So just go along for the ride. Um, speaking of the Oscars though, um, that happened just so you know, recording that happened last night. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Oscars from last night? <laughs> so I, I actually couldn't watch it yeah. because I, yeah. I, had, I had a function. Um, and then I tried to watch it after the fact and I couldn't. And then I mm -hmm. just, I'm always too desperate to know who wins. So I just, I couldn't wait. So I just looked it all up. And then the news was actually all a buzz about how the Oscars oh. ended. I don't know if you guys know, but instead of ending the Oscars like they usually do with the best picture as yes, the last award. Yeah, they ended with best female and male lead. And Mr. Hopkins wasn't even there to accept his reward. So they said it was kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, and I think a lot of people were rooting for Chad Chadwick Boseman to mm. to get the best actor. Yeah, and so there was there was some dissonance for a lot of people there. Mm. I just read that it was just I didn't watch it either. I read some of the articles, and it just sounded like it was an awkward experience for a lot of people. And like I read somewhere like they lost ten million view viewers at some point because it was just people were just like changing the channel. This isn't great entertainment um it, it was just it wasn't funny i heard um and it was just it was just kind of yeah. uh not not a great oscar yeah i saw it like so i was um at i was at dinner with some friends and it was on the background and i it was it was on the whole time and we like um filled out like oscar sheets like who's gonna win and one thing i mean this is different and so this year it was probably even more so, but usually I do find the Oscar ceremonies themselves pretty boring, just in the <laughs> sense of like, <laughs> it's like a three and a half hour show to like announce like all these winners. And like, I understand like it's a huge thing, but I personally feel like that it's this tradition they've been doing for a long time. And I think they need to find, like figure out a way to change it up a bit. And even like, I think it's okay to make it shorter like I think there's and maybe I'm speaking blasphemy here. I don't know, but but the I fans don't yeah. care to watch best costume, <laughs> yeah. best visual effects, yeah. best sound editing. Fans don't want to watch that stuff. Yeah, they can just show that on the on the screen. Like they can just be like like PowerPoint, like boom, boom, boom. Like they can show like ten of the awards, <laughs> like <laughs> Some of those they do the comedian the up there too. with the clicker just clicking through yeah the commercial <laughs> I my, mean, my yeah. issue with the oscars is they don't have a comedy section like that is just such a loss on their part um because there's so many comedic actors and actresses that mm -hmm. would just crush it in that yeah. you know and and that that could even i wonder if that would actually uh amp up the quality of comedies if there yeah. was a category like that Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about just in general, because I'm like, sometimes they do like musical numbers that are kind of funny, but but I see what you mean. Like comedy, like is in the awards. Yeah, like best comedy or best comedic performance or something like yes. that. Oh, see, and that's that shows that you don't watch it that often because they actually group it together. 
the one of the categories is best musical slash comedy. They never, it's just ironic that it's a grouped category, but it actually is a grouped category. Oh, I don't even see it on the list. They usually have a best musical slash comedy. Yeah, I don't know maybe if I'm, that... Maybe I'm... I'm I don't missed. think that's a thing, Aziel. Uh, oh, now, now you're going to like... This is classic, like, Aziel. Like, yeah, I'm going to go and challenge yeah. <laughs> You can look it up. I, I don't know if that's a thing for the Oscars. If I'm wrong, then that's okay. Um, so let us know. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe it's a Golden Globes thing. Man, I am humbled yeah. right now. I mean, maybe you don't watch the Oscars <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> That's the point, though. Yeah, I, I think that, that like, the, the Oscars needs to keep up with, like, their generation. Like, I think that it's been going on for so many years now. What, it's like 80 years? I don't know. It's, like, been a long time. And I've, I loved the idea of the awards. Every year, I try to watch every Best Picture. And every year, I never get through all of them. <laughs> but I always want to. And I, and I think that part is very fun, but the actual ceremony is like, I think the worst part in my opinion. There's some places I, last year was super awesome. They had a theater mm -hmm. that opened it up to watch the Oscars out and they have oh. like food and refreshments and they had like raffles they would give away throughout wow. the, like during the commercial breaks. So it was really fun and interactive and like it was, I mean, it's like, um, a fun theater experience where everyone's comfortable with like cheering and you know talking and, and laughing and stuff so I, I was like that's the way I like to do it is just with like a party you know mm -hmm. um, and make it more fun and chill just an excuse. and that's what yeah that's ahead. what we do too we always would make a party out of it mm -hmm. it's just we haven't always had the chance to watch it but I always care about the results because mm -hmm. um, it's just you get an opportunity to be exposed to some of the most creative film that's out there and I just think it's just really cool to see you know like what's the academy checking out um, but yeah the the way we normally had always watched it is really turning it into a fancy event like mm -hmm. it was just our opportunity to just get together you know make some fancy meal or appetizers and have some fancy cocktails and talk through all the boring stuff <laughs> yeah 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 that is the way to do it it's fun to get a group of people together i know i've done that once in college um i don't know if you remember that matt but we had like i this do big, yeah we had like this this big oscar party and we all dressed up and like in the dorms and had like fancy drinks and stuff and so it was just really fun um and i think that that that's what makes it is like the and even last night i was with people and we weren't there to watch the Oscars, but it was still fun to have it on in the background and comment on stuff. And um, it was so, so I think, yeah, the experience is enjoyable. The actual like Oscars themselves, I don't know, but the movies, like they're good. And like, I think we can get more into this, but I do think that like, after watching a few of the Oscar movies this year, I just realized like how much like, I just love the fact that they really just make you think about things that I just couldn't, like, didn't think I wanted to think about, or, like, they just put you in places that, like, I mean, all movies can do this, but I feel like these movies put you in situations that could be very real, but things I won't experience, like, I mean, for mm -hmm. example, The Sound of Metal, like, what, what it's like to be deaf, and I think that there's just, like, really good, or, or just, like, go deaf, like, in your 30s, you know, so I just think there's interesting stuff like that, and then, and I think we should dive into Minari. 
and then maybe get into all the other movies and kind of talk those through a little bit. But but Minari is really interesting too because I just wouldn't have thought about like just like the life of like um, a Korean family like moving into like the farmlands. But mm. um, but yeah, so let's get into it. What are your guys like initial thoughts on Minari? Like um, yeah, what did you think about the movie itself? Aziel, would you like to just kind of talk about like the movie as a whole and the plot of it? Yeah, and I, I feel like the first disclaimer is that we're obviously butchering the pronunciation. None of us is being it? Korean, I, and especially yes. after watching, uh, <laughs> uh, being able to watch the first 20 minutes of the Oscars at least, uh, realizing how wrong my pronunciation was. Um, yeah. But I, I know <laughs> I good. can't even try to say it. I know they were saying Minari or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think what was interesting about the theme with the Oscars this year is that a lot of them I felt like were kind of giving a lens into like I feel like it shows the hyper realism trend that's happening with film in the last decade I feel like there's just been this strong trend towards hyper realism even with romantic films like just like you know like not showing this like Disney Disney-fied form of love but just like showing and showcasing like case studies of people's lives. I mean, that's what The Father was. That's what um, The Sound of Metal was. That was Nomadland, the one that won Best Picture. And Minari was the same way. It was this, this film that was showcasing in the 1980s, I believed it was set, um, a Korean American family trying to live the American dream. And I mean, we see at the beginning of the film that we get this, this taste of the father like trying to show that he's immediately trying to make a better life. That like, he's tired of sexing chickens. And if, if people don't know, I mean, I didn't really know what that was until the film, but he's just separating chicks to, you know, for the, the male chicks to eventually be killed and the, the female chicks to be raised to lay eggs or to become meat. So that's like what he does in California. They can't make money. He's tired of it. He wants to make good money doing something he loves. So he brings the family out to Arkansas and he, he shows them the dirt and he says, you know, look at this dirt. This is like really good dirt. Um, this is why I brought you here because we'll be able to grow really good Korean vegetables. And he has this dream to grow Korean vegetables because of the growing, growing Korean community in the United States. And he wants to provide um, a resource that obviously this huge population would draw from. So he wants to grow Korean vegetables, fruits and vegetables that this Korean uh, population can feed from. So it's pretty cool. And I mean, you even see a little bit of that because at one point the grandmother who isn't there with them in the beginning eventually shows up because the mom is so unhappy and you see the daughter just break down crying because the mom brings some of these specialty ingredients from Korea. And the daughter's just so excited to see these ingredients uh, from Korea. So I think ultimately what I think some one of the main dynamics that I'll just end with that I think the fans should be aware is that the grandmother is obviously moving from Korea to be with the family, but the, mm -hmm. the husband and wife are directly from Korea. They moved to the US. Um, and so they're adjusting to life in the US. 
um, and the children are the first um, generation to be born and raised in the United States. So you get to see several layers of, um, of what immigrant life looks like for this Korean family in this uh, very white um, Arkansas town. So I, I don't know if you guys feel like I'm missing anything, but that's how I would initially describe it to fans. Mm -hmm. So Matt, is there anything else you want to elaborate on? Yeah, I, I think um, they and maybe they do a good job with creating suspense in a grounded way, um, mm -hmm. and and like you were saying, Jared, like um, this film, I think does a good job of displacing their audience who aren't Korean or aren't who aren't farmers who don't live mm -hmm. in a, like a a rural um, town. Um, and I think that creates suspense um, in, in different capacities and are all those things create suspense. So I, um, it's, 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 it's slow paced. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, and maybe I'll just go into it a little bit, but like, I, I was like, it's, for me, it was refreshing. Um, and I, I think I'm just, I was like, oh, I, I feel like this is a, such a change of pace, not a knock on Marvel, but there there aren't like explosions or I'm not being injected with just like, you know, uh, a group of people trying to collect different objects from all over the universe, you know? Um, <laughs> like it just, it was like that. Yeah. So it was like, it was refreshing to see something um, mm -hmm. that doesn't get a lot of like hype and publicity mm -hmm. and that, and mm -hmm. it do so well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that it is nice to kind of stop down and watch a movie like this. I guess just to say what's funny is that one reason why it was hard to watch a lot of the Oscar movies for me even this year is that um, I only have so much time with like I work and then I want to spend a lot of my free time with my wife and then she thinks those types of movies she just like has no interest like and, and not nothing. It's just like she just would rather watch like just more fast paced movies. Like mm -hmm. just even the idea of like, I tried to get her to see the father and the idea of like, just um, from what I've heard about it, it's Anthony Hopkins. He's like slowly going through maybe dementia. I don't know, but he's getting like, I don't know if I'm wrong, but, um, but he's just like, you're just watching an old guy get old basically. And it kind of makes you sad. And, and like, she's just like, I deal with that all the time. Like while I work as a nurse, I don't want to, like watch sad stuff totally like in my free time. is this show about to become the a show about the father no no because i just have to say <laughs> very quickly that was probably one of the best films i've seen in the last 10 years oh the father and that acting was the best <laughs> acting i've ever seen from a leading male performance in my entire life you're talking about anthony hopkins anthony hopkins yeah i do His really want to see it yeah i want to see it too so I, yeah. I, I want spoilers, but I don't because I, I want to hear yeah. you. But I, yeah, yeah I definitely oh, I have hear. a lot to say about the father. Yes. This isn't even about the father. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, when Nomad Land won Best Picture, I was <laughs> extremely upset because I felt like there was a lot of home run films this year. And I mm -hmm. the slower the movies, the better. I'm like, for me, I like the action films is like, you know, when I want a little, you know, like a a licking stick you know those candies i just want a sugar sugar high you know that's that's fun, for fun me dips, the dc marvel fun dips. 
It's a fun dip. Thank you. <laughs> I'm thinking Lickin of the stick. tattoos. Stick, but for baby. me, my bread and butter for films is the slow movies. The Nomad Lands, um, The Father, the Minari movies. That mm. that's my bread and butter film. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah, I was just blown away by the father. Yeah. But I know this this isn't about the father right now, yeah. but I'm just making the Father is one of the few films. I don't buy films anymore. And I used to buy mm. hundreds of films. The Father is one of the few films that I'm like, I'm buying that because I yeah. will triple dip the hell out of this movie till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Minari is like, it's a really good movie. And I think it's hard not to categorize it into the other Oscar movies because you know, they're, they're like, I heard about all these movies basically all at once, right? And they're like you're saying, mm-hmm. Ezio, they're all kind of like this. We're going to like drop you into someone kind of living their life at like a pinnacle moment, right? And mm-hmm. and so they're all just like, they're not the same, but they're a similar pace and they're a similar, I guess, maybe feel. I don't think that's exactly right. but But I just think it is like, like these movies just feel like its own category to me. So that's kind of, so I totally agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So with, uh, back to Minari, I have yeah. some, uh, some, so there, if you haven't seen it, you, you will, if you watch it, you'll recognize some faces. Yeah. Um, probably the two faces you'll recognize <laughs> is Steven Ewan, who plays Glenn on The Walking Dead or played Glenn, right? Yep. Uh-huh. You're right. Yeah. And one that I didn't recognize, it did not register until Annie, my wife, pointed him out. <laughs> Coach Yost. Yes. Yes. Will Patton. Remember the Titans? Yes. Coach Yost. Incredible yes. performance. Oh, that's Paul? It, yeah. That's Paul. I freaked um, out when I saw him on the screen. I was like, what? What a great, like, major comeback film for him. Yes. Um, Alan, or Stephen Ewan, plays Jacob he's um one of the main leads he's the father figure in this movie and Paul aka Coach Yost Coach Yost am I saying yoke or Yost I gotta look it up uh fans are gonna hate it um plays um Paul who helps out on the farm and is like a friend charismatic background spiritual background um prays for the family speaks in um tongues and um initially i'll like with with paul i was like oh no is is he gonna get really weird and do something tragic to this family oh gosh I'm so glad i was afraid of that too i didn't even think about that i would have been so I, sad <laughs> my mind immediately went there yeah yeah um do i i mean this is do we already give the spoiler alert yeah, I mean, like always, like I assume you guys know this, but yeah, we're spoiling the movie that we're talking about. So all spoilers to this movie, but you should definitely still watch it because it's like, yeah. it doesn't justify, I think, just watching it all happen. He, does, he doesn't get weird. Like he, <laughs> he's, he's a helpful friend and a, a good character. Mm. Um, but I think that's another, mm. like it adds suspense because you just like, um, there are more overt like pieces of racism in this film yes and you experience racial tensions Mm -hmm. and dissonance moments of dissonance and and just like i'm just i i want to watch it again because this i liked it the first time around but i was just kind of on the edge of just like 
what's going to happen? Like yeah. what bad thing is going to happen to this family, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on this farm, my mind, Oh, like horror films, take Texas chainsaw massacre, like just different things or, or stuff. But, um, it, 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 none of that mm-hmm. happened to the degree I was imagining it happening. Well, that's, that's why I like, I mean, love it or hate it. I feel like, and just going back to the hyper-realism, I think there is, there's no bad guy. There's no major mm-hmm. antagonist in this film. And I think that goes to the hyper-realism genre mm-hmm. that has been so popular with some of the best pictures of the last three years. And that's always not the, that's not always the case. I mean, if you look at some of the, like one of my favorite all-time favorite Oscar winners for best picture was uh, No Country for Old Men. That is, you know, it's a very dark fiction film. I mean, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King was like one of the most nominated Oscar films of all time. So obviously it's not always the case that we get this type of oversaturation of this type of Mm -hmm. genre. But I told Danielle that I noticed a lot with the Oscar films in the last three years that a lot of them have had to deal with like hyper, hyper realism, like themes, especially with disability. I've noticed that that's been a major trend mm-hmm. with the Oscar nominees in the last few years. Um, you've seen that come out a lot with the hyper realism, but I feel like this year was just a full baptismal of hyper realistic films. And, and that's why I think Minari really is, is just, there is no antagonist. You're just seeing, and this is why I would encourage fans to, to see this film is because it's not, it's the American dream, but it's from a perspective that's seldom told or highlighted mm-hmm. in the United States. And it, it was beautifully executed. It's not, yes. it, it was just so well done as you, as you guys are pointing out to just drop us into their world and make us feel as uncomfortable as, you know, all levels, the grandmother, the parents and the children felt in this like random white hyper-Christian, you know, Midwest town. Yes. Yeah. And one thing that um, you're kind of saying earlier about like the, um, the racism and kind of them experiencing that is like, um, and this goes off what you're saying too, Aziel, is that it wasn't like a direct, like you see movies that sometimes talk about that. And I feel like that was probably movies from like a little bit ago and they've been going more in this direction, but just basically like where it's just very obvious racism, like um, I hate you because of this, this, or calling people names. But right. this movie does a good job at like, where you're saying like, you're kind of in their world and the scene where they go to the church and um, it's like, was it like a Baptist or it's like just a, not Baptist, but it's like, just like a, a white church, a lot of white people. And then you just like, I feel so uncomfortable for them. Like, this, like mm. they're, they're in the during like the service they're making them introduce themselves and they're saying if you're new stand up and I feel like that was like kind of like a cultural thing that they like did not want to experience right but I think that we're just like oh we just want to honor you because you're new but that they're just like we don't want to like you know stand out right now because it's probably yeah. all they feel like and then afterwards when they're um, just talking to people and just all the the little things people are saying to them um 
is just like it's just very interesting like i just feel mm-hmm. so uncomfortable and the movie does a good job at making you and i just didn't expect it to do such a good job at making you like enter their world like that and i like that it does that because i think sometimes people just don't like i mean i i need to be reminded sometimes that it can just be uncomfortable to be like a person of color within a lot of people that's like a majority white culture mm-hmm. yeah and to be a little more explicit with what you're yeah. talking about yeah for sure to the listeners it's it's not the overt racism racism that's like they remember the titans like i mean yeah so right. just c- contrast it to that where there's like this overt mm-hmm. aggressive intentional racism it's the it's the more ignorant racism that is coming out of just a lack of awareness but it shows how even that form of racist comments or behaviors are entirely exhausting and how it just completely mm. wears on the family. Yes. Um, and, and that's what I think, you know, I think they're showing this side of racism that isn't like the remember the Titans where it's just kind of throwing you in the face of like, you know, the overt forms of like hatred, but showing how like ignorance also can have a very exhausting effect on people of color in the United States and, and showing this, you know, impact of this Korean family in this town. It was just, yeah, it was really well done. And especially dropping all the viewers into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not over. It's covert. Yeah. The way to say it. And, and I, I mean, for me, I had to, after the film, I was just like, I'm curious to know more about Korean culture and things Mm -hmm. that I just missed. And, and even um, things that to try to put myself in someone who um, comes from a Korean ethnic background would have like understood a little bit better. And from what I've read, it, it sounds like like church is such a integral part of Korean culture for like social gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be, to go to like for, for Jacob, the father, it was, it was almost like a gift to his wife who was against them moving to this farm and like being there. And just, it was just a really, it was a strain on their marriage throughout the film and it had this burn. And for him to be like, we're going to go to church. It seemed like a relief for her. And then they get there and it's just not, it's like you said, it's exhausting um, in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I thought that was that was interesting, um, and and how how um, I don't want to say complex, but in the midst of that, it's like it, it did become a safe space for the family. Like mm-hmm. David, um, the the boy, um, the the kid in this, one of the kids in this, um, like he he got a friend out of this in this small town, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I appreciate too <clears throat> is seeing the children go through this. Yeah. Um, because it's like, you know, they're going from California where there's going to be a lot more Koreans around. It's going to be a lot more, it's going to be a lot easier for the family to continue to find, you know, tastes of home and escape mm. from like, american majority culture but in our in arkansas they don't they don't have that opportunity and you and i appreciate that they and i mean it shows that it's it's written by someone who is Mm -hmm. deeply observant and i mean and i think he even talks about how it's 
based off of his own experiences. But you see that even with the children and how they're reacting, uh, you know, how the sister is o- overcompensating by starting to care for the mom and taking on too much of an adult role in the family. And the son, by reacting with a lot of like, you know, outlashing towards, I don't know if that's the right word, but like, you know, pushing back against his entire family because he's just so angry and he doesn't know how to like, you know, fit into this entirely new world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked watching um, just his dynamic and it felt like he was definitely like, you know, a, a huge part of that movie. And I think his relationship with his dad and then his relationship with the grandma who she was like yeah it was so good and she's like a standout character by the way like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing um and and i think that it was really cool watching those relationships and watching his relationship with his grandma and even like a lot of times he says in the movie like you don't act like a grandma like you're not my grandma um because you don't act like one like you need to bake cookies and and she's just like watching wrestling or you know there's just things like that and and I just liked and like she obviously really cared and loved for him but just in her own way and I thought that was just really great to see to see all that go down mm-hmm. yeah and the the thing so with David the the son mm-hmm. the thing that they planted in the beginning is he has a heart condition Mm -hmm. Um, and they're living in this place that is just far from a hospital it's risky for them to be there and the whole movie that's like they're just telling him do not run don't run because of your heart and then we have the grandma who comes in from korea and just shakes everything up um david (laughs) and her share a room which is the best roommate situation i've ever seen so this i I was Mm -hmm. like i just am eating their relationship up um she is just like firm and fun and like playful um sure of herself sure of herself and um and it's just a breath of of life i think in this home so one Mm -hmm. of the things that i i i loved is so we have jacob who is trying to farm these crops for survival and we have the grandmother um sunja is that her name in the movie um i can't remember anyone's name um, yes it is yep she 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 plants um this vegetable um minare or however uh, however you pronounce it correctly um by like uh, a creek and there's there's growth there um and there's growth in the crops, but the crops throughout the movie, just there's just different obstacles and problem solving. And it kind of ends with the burning of, of their crop. Mm-hmm. And what's left is the, the Minari by the creek. And so it's this, these two things juxtaposed um, that really kind of just enhance the grandmother's character and life with, within the story and, and the family. I don't know how y'all felt about her, but I think with mm-hmm. Maisel, you've talked about these men that you, George Clooney, these men you just want to be with. And I've, I've realized, like, I think these older women, like Maggie Smith, um, they're yes. British. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, I forget her. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Young Jung, the grandmother. 
who won Best Supporting Actress. I was yeah, just like, I, I would just, Jung Yoon. I would like come to your house, I, whatever you need. I would clean it. I just want to just sit <laughs> and be in a fly in the Yes. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I saw her and I thought immediately of both of you guys, like, cause I was just like, this is your guys kind of character. I mean, I loved her too, but mm-hmm. I just know you guys like latch onto this character and quickly, um, like I know you mentioned Matt that she won Best Supporting um, Actress. One thing I just read was she is the first Korean to win an acting mm-hmm. Oscar, and that's wow. like that's really cool. So congratulations um, to her, and and I think mm-hmm. she deserved it. Like that was really well des- yes, she yeah. did. She's mm-hmm. so good. But um, Aziel, what were your thoughts on on the grandma? Yeah, yeah, no, I you're exactly right. I latched onto her from the beginning. Like she's exactly the type of character I love. Just a bold, in-your-face, sure of herself, full of love, you know, but kind of like my friend that I was talking about, a bit of a bull in the china shop and, you know, but she means right by the family. But it's, it's interesting that like, you know, from the beginning of the film, she's brought in because she's meant to be a source of comfort to the daughter. And her presence is almost discomforting and it like kind of breaks a lot of the shells down to allow like the family to be rebuilt but she ends up being that ultimate source of comfort but and that plant too uh, it that plant is meant to be a major interpretive element that she plants of the movie mm-hmm. so and even like I did some like because I couldn't sleep after I watched that movie I just loved it so much so I was just up late reading as much as I could but like even researching information about how the plant is, there's articles written on it and how the fact like year two of its growth, like how it plays into as a major interpretive element of the film. I don't want to give that away because I do want fans to watch it. I want fans to research it afterwards. And even you guys, if you didn't come across any of those articles, cause it's just, it's one of those films that just has so many layers. It's just so mm-hmm. deep in the way that it's, analyzing the characters analyzing the setting and creating a beautiful story that has some really deep interpretive elements that are written into it it's just so well done Mm -hmm. one of the shells the grandmother breaks down is around david and how the family and parents see david um and and there's a scene where she's just like let's let's run to this tree and let's you know uh, and provides um, freedom um, mm-hmm. in some ways for David. Um, mm-hmm. It's a powerful, yes. person. and she's a savage too. Like she plays this card game that I that I found out was made for oh, um, yeah. elderly Korean people, and they just it's meant to just be aggressive. You're supposed to swear, so she's calling her grandson like a bastard playfully she's like plague on you in korea you know just like like she she doesn't hold back like she's like i'm gonna destroy you (laughs) Uh. but then david goes and plays it with his friend and is like destroying his friend you know so she develops like thick skin for david when he's treated so such with such fragility you know yeah Uh don't do this don't do that she like and um provides life for him where mm. he's not getting it yeah yeah and I loved that um I love yeah, I love the grandma so much like I feel like um like I enjoyed that 
that David was able to just be able be able to get life from from her and there I liked watching their relationship between them and then at the same time I loved the relationship between well I didn't say I love it but it was like the movie also explored the relationship between um Monica and I remember the um guy's name Jacob Jacob yeah and just the strain on their on their marriage and that was (laughs) it's very intense Mm-hmm. Um, how Jacob just he cared so much about trying to live this American dream like Aziel is talking about and I think he just like had so much pride and want in that that he was willing to like give up everything just to make that happen and Monica just wanted um, she she cared about like them being able to live and was worried they're gonna lose all the money but also just like wanted the family to just like be together and um, to to just not stress out about this whole thing. and there's just a lot of different factors up in the air and and it was just um yeah it was hard to watch that but I enjoyed that it like dived so much into that well and that's what I loved too because at the end of the day that's what made it so American mm-hmm. because it is the universal story of the attempt like the the American story like trying to actually achieve the American dream Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day that's such a universal story Mm -hmm. like and it's not something that's entirely novel like it it feels like such a familiar story in American cinema and and just American storytelling in general because it is the example of the American dream and like the stripping of families in the process of trying to achieve that and that like trying to like overcome in capitalism when you really don't have nothing to begin with, but you're trying to build something from nothing. And that's what I think is so cool about the film is that it is that very universal picture of the American dream, but at the same time, it's such a um, specific, well-told storyline from the Korean perspective, the Korean American perspective. And I just think it's just so cool to see the both and reality of the film done in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved um, also the character, Paul, that you guys were talking about before. Like, like I enjoyed that he was just like basically just down to help and down to and wanted to um, help Jacob in this journey of, um, of growing these crops. And um, I just thought it was cool that like it's obvious that Jacob was like very weirded out by him, but at the same time could see his heart in this. And it even goes to a scene where um, I think you're kind of mentioning this, Matt, where we're basically like the uh, Monica, they're just struggling. And so Monica has him like pray over the house and, and like bless the house and do kind of these rituals that look really, look really strange to all of them. And, um, but it's just like out of love and, um, and that really threw Jacob off, but at the same time, you could see his heart in it. And I, I liked all the, yeah. Um, yeah, just all the dissonance that everyone was having in this movie. Um, just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love, I love your word dissonance right there because I mm-hmm. think it is. It, it was just a, a truckload of dissonance, <laughs> and that's what I, I loved about Paul too. Man, I just feel like there's so many layers I could just brag on with this film that he was from a vet of the Korean War Mm -hmm. and that that's what instantly drew him to the family because it showed Mm. that it was a form of familiar to him Mm. 
that like he was instantly drawn to a Korean family because it showed that connection he had with Korea mm -hmm. from the Korean War. And I, and I totally related that to that because, you know, after living in China for three years, like whenever I see Chinese people in the United States, I freak out because I'm like, this is like almost a symbol of home to me. Mm. Um, but it's just ironic because I feel like if anything, they are always weirded out in the same way the family was weirded out with Paul, but to him, it's a part of his story, a part of his life. And it's obvious that like, it's, that's, that's immediately why he latches onto the family. Mm -hmm. And I even appreciated that the writer of the film was able to even see something like that and to like write that into the story because it just shows the complex layers of culture, the sense, this idea of belonging and what does it mean to belong to a community, to a culture, to like to take it on as your own versus like for the culture to accept you. I just, there's so many layers in it. And I just really appreciate that he analyzes some of that broader picture of like what it means to be an American culture, but also what is that local story for this family or even for this one character, Paul? I just, yeah, I just thought it was so well done. Paul's also perceived as like an outcast in this, yeah. in this town they're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so you see hospitality towards Paul and vice versa. Um, and I, I, I also just appreciated that, um, that they went in a charismatic vein, but it, they didn't um, exploit it, maybe is the right way to say it, in, in a creepy, like it was still, there's uncomfortable moments, but it wasn't just like, they're the villain, you know, because of the hyper realism, mm -hmm. because it was grounded, you know, um, you're just like, yeah, Paul, this is what Paul believes. And this is, this is what he practices. Um, but he's a good neighbor, you know, yeah. he cares for his people, the people he's working for. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. Um, Matt, like, I know there is a senior mentioning, um, before we started that you really enjoyed. Could you describe that scene? Yeah, so I'm such a fan of these the, what they do in movies, it, it, planting an object or a, a line, and then there's a payoff where they return to it later in the story. And throughout this movie, um, David and, and Anne um, would be drinking this 80s bottle of Mountain Dew, and um, the grandma comes, and she's like, what is that? And I think it's Anne says it's it's water from the mountains, which is such a good line. And I was like, if yes. that was all that was there for, I would love that. It was so, so funny. Yeah, they think it's actual dew from the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good. It was so good. And then um, <laughs> David, um, like David's sick, right? He has this heart condition, and there's this. Um, Korean concoction and remedy and home. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's medicine that is is supposed to taste awful. Like I read that um, Korean kids would know like what this is and what it tastes like, mm. and it's unanimously agreed upon that it's not disgusting, great. disgusting, vile. And so David is drinking this and he's just like, I hate, like, he's just hating it. And he has a breaking moment um, where he dumps it out 
And his grandma is like, David, bring me some more of that mountain water. And he goes in the bathroom, whips out his lizard and pees. You don't see it. I don't know why I said that. That's extra. <laughs> he fills the cup with um, his own liquid. Um, puts it next to his grandma and goes in the door or by the front door and starts putting on his boots and he just waits, which I thought was a savage moment. He's just waiting to watch her drink it. Like he's ready to run, but he's like, I'm going to wait for this. She takes a sip and spits it out. Um, and he takes off running. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I was like the purpose of the Mountain Dew was for that moment. And it was <laughs> it's so <the> great. Best. <laughs> Yeah, I loved his, uh, like you're saying, Matt, just like how savage he was. Like his, he did such a good job just like being just like he, like a kid would just, they want to see the response, but he knows exactly mm -hmm. where he needs to be, like at the door. Like, you know, he knows, she's just like immediately knows what happened too. It's so good. Well, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I, mm -hmm. I like with the grandma just being herself and grounded mm -hmm. and just savage herself, like I think she that was an influence she had on david like david was reciprocating yeah without even knowing like he was acting like his grandma you yeah. know uh, yeah and just to clarify like because he wasn't <clears throat> reciprocating it definitely wasn't and i know you're not saying this but it wasn't a moment necessarily of him like loving her like he was very annoyed no. with her and like no. he just ready to get back retaliating at yeah, yeah retaliating because he because i think that was kind of his breaking point where you're saying that but it was like of of like he just kind of angry that she is not a typical grandma and so he's just like i'm gonna get you back for this and so good well Which is another she's layer. not yeah it's oh, another ahead. layer because she's not that white grandma she's not yeah. that yeah that stereotypical american grandma mm. that he wanted she's the korean grandma quintessential i mean first night in the room he's angry because he said she smells like korea and it's like you can see the americanization that's happening in him yes um that is pushing back against this other part of him that is both known and unknown and so it's just man it's just the layers are just so good <laughs> well that's that's an emotional part for me like i don't know what that's like but basically it's he's deconstructing what a grandma should look like and he is falling in love with a grandma that looks like him comes from his culture and is falling in love with his Korean grandmother. And I think mm -hmm. that's just such a beautiful, subtle character development and just story arc um, that was so powerful and so beautiful and so emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and David has, I mean, I won't spoil this, but at the end, um, he has a moment where he ha he intervenes uh, on something with his grandmother. Um, and it's mm -hmm. like a moment of like, like you're my grandmother, you know? Um, yeah. And embracing uh -huh. Yeah. Powerful. It's a really good journey between him and mm -hmm. his relationship with his grandma. Um, do we have any final thoughts in this movie? Unfortunately, like it's been getting so good, um, but we probably got to move on in a moment. So you guys have anything else you want to add? No, just look up the plant. Do the research yeah. after the film. <laughs> he's always giving us homework what are you doing oh, no, <laughs> i think that's good though <laughs> that's great yeah i think um yeah i would definitely 
like Double Dip is so good. Um, I love researching the movies afterwards. So I think that is always good to just find out more. These movies, especially um, like, yeah, Minari, like it's always good to like dive more into what does this mean and what's going on here. And a lot of the other Oscar movies, I had to do that and figure that out. But um, yeah, Matt, any any other thoughts on this? No, I'll, everything y'all just said, like go and watch it. Mm. um spend yeah. the money save up for it give plasma to yeah. go see it you know like mm. it's worth a watch yeah that's the thing it too is definitely it's, worth a watch yeah and it's good to support these movies right it's like these movies are like smaller yeah mm -hmm. um yeah they're just smaller movies and so it's a good chance to to give them your their support and i think this movie especially it's good we want more movies like this and so yes that's a good um, word jared yeah yeah, and the hope I think is to see more movies like this that are just more mainstream too. And so it'd be exciting to see that. So um, yeah, so going into, let's talk about what are you dipping into? Download Dipper. And um, as we do that and ask if you've seen um, a couple of the Oscar movies that you want to call out, please do that. Um, but Matt, let's start with you. What have you been dipping into? So I got, I got three things, but the first two, I'll just go quickly because I want to just talk about the third one for just a hot minute. Yes. Um, uh, uh, docu-series on Netflix, Formula One, really good. Um, mm. It's like a reality TV show, but just like with fast cars. I don't really like cars, but I'm just drawn into the drama between the drivers and their families and all of that. And it's, it's fascinating. Mm a world that I didn't know that I wanted to just explore, but now I'm in it. Um, Saving Private Ryan. I was watching that when the Oscars yes. were happening. I was like, oh, it's so good. And I wanted to bring that up because it's going off Netflix the end of this month, oh. the 30th. So just get on. Mm. It's good. But my real dippy testimonial. <laughs> I'm curious. And I have been dying to see this like literally huh. i crawled into the living room on my last breath is barb and star visit del mar what i don't even know if i've heard of this this is not what i was expecting oh, what were you thoughts? expecting no i'll 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 say mine on my dip in term oh um no this is kristen wig and annie mamolo the writers of Bridesmaids and they are women in their middle age who it's current day, but they dress up in the eighties and they go on vacation to this made up place called Vista Del Mar. And it is like, we talked about hyper real and grounded. This is just straight absurd. Like there's musical numbers. <laughs> yes. There's, I love there, it. There isn't anything um, like there's some language, but they're like, and they insinuate that there's sex, but they don't show anything, which is great. I appreciate that. It's one of the most quotable movies I've literally ever seen in my life. Dude. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say that, like I've seen, like, usually like I'll watch a movie and like, Oh, like hot rod or Napoleon dynamite. And like, oh, I love that. I'm obsessed with it. And I want to watch it over and over again. This movie is so special to me. I don't want to watch it because again, to like a year. So I don't get mm. sick of it. Like I want to wow. like build up a desire again. Uh. Not, like <laughs> it's, and it's surprisingly good. Like it's got an 80% Rotten Tomatoes. 
And I was just like, Annie Mamolo, Mamolo, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I, I hadn't really, that was the first time I saw her. I was captivated. And um, both Kristen Wiig and Annie come from improv backgrounds. And so you could just see their improv coming off quite naturally and quite enjoyably. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. And how do you, how do you watch it? Um, I, we rented it for like on YouTube. It was like four ninety nine or something. Oh, it was cheap for a rental. Bad. Okay. Um, but if you, if you just got some time, I recommend watching it with friends. I, I like, I wasn't expecting it to like it that much. I was like, huh. I really want to watch this movie. I like Kristen Wiig. I haven't seen her in a long time. I didn't watch. She's hilarious. Um, but this just seemed like her role, like just kind of an oddball character. <laughs> For sure. She, home run, home run. Yeah. Barbie Dude. star visit, go to visit Del Mar or Vista Del Mar. <laughs> I like, I would see, like, if, if we take suggestions to our like future movies to talk about, I'd be like, let's do this one. So Dippy's come through. Vote for <laughs> yes. I'd be down. Yeah. And then I know. Oscars, I, I, so real quick, I didn't, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I did watch like soul. I watched um, the, the octopus teacher one, um, the mm -hmm. document, the one that won best documentary. My octopus teacher. My octopus teacher. And there was another one. He had um, some unhealthy relationship with that octopus. Yeah. yeah. Everyone said that. I, I disagree. I, I, everyone was like, that was sexual. I was like, oh, nah, dude. Was, I didn't think about that, but I think. Yeah, I didn't think sexual. Yeah. I was like, something is off yeah. with this guy and this octopus. There, I still think he whether it's sexual or not, it's a one-sided relationship. Like, <laughs> I disagree. I think it was mutual. Okay, that's, I, yeah, I do think around. it was mutual. Yeah, I definitely I, think that I think it was mutual, but I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well, <laughs> that could be for an octopus podcast. That's enough for all I got to say. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks, <laughs> Barb and Star, Matt. I know you've mentioned that in the past. I, I, I thought about it the other day, but it's just, that's just a movie. Like, I feel like I just would want to watch with you. <laughs> like, I, like, but, oh, yeah, um, that'd be great to watch yeah. with you guys. I know. I'd be so, like, because you're oh, the one that I like to see those goofy movies with. Oh, maybe when we're on, we're we're in Flagstaff for July. Maybe we can oh. get together and watch oh, it. Oh, yes. That would be so I, much I would fun. buy it for us to watch it. Okay. We can yeah, watch The Father, and then we could watch Barb and Star as like a pick-me-up. Oh my gosh, that sounds go. great. What a good double feature that is. Um, I will go next. This is mine are kind of random, and so um, this weekend, <clears throat> I watched um, a movie. I've been getting really into birds lately, just like a random, like... <laughs> for a few reasons like i just love i just love the fact that there's so many birds out there and so many kinds but i watched a documentary this weekend with jb called the crimson wing mystery of the flamingos 2008 um it's disney nature it's so good it's like my flamingo teacher is this gonna be your new <laughs> no no <laughs> no dude they have a mating dance though but for to for reals though, oh like I looked God. up like some of the best like nature documentaries, and the Crimson Wing just kept popping up. So I was like, I want to watch this, and and it's it's just it's just very interesting about the migration of flamingos and um, whether if you're into nature documentaries, like I think this is a for sure watch. Like there's not a way I could describe it to make it sound interesting, but it's more interesting than a flamingo documentary might sound. Who doesn't like a good flamingo, dude? <laughs> Wow. Dude, what I, 
I just love that there's there's so many at once. Like when they show up, like they show up. Like there's a lot of them. <laughs> anytime you go to a zoo, there's like 50 of them all like on a little island together. And that's the same thing with the movie. There's like two million of them go to one place at one time to like have babies and it's crazy. I'm not messing with a flamingo. <laughs> the name though, I don't I'm kind of thrown off by the name, the crim, crimson wing. That yeah, does sound why? like a villain on DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I forgot an, about that's that. another yeah. bird show I love, but that's <laughs> um and then uh, to keep it bird themed, I recently watched a 2011 <laughs> movie that came on the Disney Plus a few weeks ago called The Big Year. And that movie, I died because Jamie and I watched that for the first time. And she's like, this is your movie right now. Because it, it is about like, so Jack Black, Steve Martin, Owen Wilson, they oh. play these characters that they're competing in this thing called The Big Year, which is um, in hmm. one calendar year, you're trying to see the most um, different species of birds in North America. And so the, the movie is just them like running around, like trying to find all these birds. And, but it's actually like very, like it like lets you sit in like a lot of the nature that goes on in that movie and a lot of the places yeah. they go. And it's like kind of a comedy. And it, I think I'd classify it as a, as a comedy, but it's not like a slapstick, like crazy comedy. It's a little bit more, like a little bit more realistic in a sense of like it's it's like kind of slower and just like these guys trying to see all these birds jared tell me your favorite bird movie <laughs> there's not Ooh. a lot I can, <laughs> I can think of right maybe now. that's an episode dipping into yeah. birds <laughs> the big the big year though like i just got into it and then late like today i was walking around the trail and just admiring all these birds but um big I'm, year. Just, I'm just in there right now uh, yeah, the big year. I I would suggest to watch it too. And if you do like nature stuff, it shows a lot of good shots of different birds. Um, and the Oscar movie, the one that I liked the most, so I've only seen three of them: um, Minari, A Sound of Metal, and then the one that I liked, and I think I'll probably like the most out of all of them, but I haven't seen them, so I can't say that. Um, is the Promising Young Woman? Have you seen that, Aziel? No, I don't think I'm going to. It sounds too dark. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very, I think it's it's very well done. Probably the least slow of the, of the movies from what I've heard. Like, and in a sense of it still takes its time, but it, but I feel like it's more paced to a regular movie, but it reveals stuff as you go. It's one of those movies where you kind of don't know why the character is doing what they're doing, what their motive is. Um, and it's, it's a woman who, um, it just basically, it starts out with her going to a bar and kind of, yeah, a guy takes her home and I don't even want to say anymore because they're just like, like, obviously the guy takes her home while she's really drunk and his goal is to have sex with her. And there is like, she has like a motive behind this. And it's really interesting to see, like, like to see her story and why she's doing what she's doing. And it's not as dark. That isn't as dark as you think it is. But it does end pretty dark. <laughs> but anyways, it is, I think it's mm. very well done. But there's also a lot of, I think, justice in some of it. It's kind of the ways that women are treated and taken advantage of. And it's about mm. how she tries to take justice in that. And that's the way I want to describe that. Um, but mm. it's so good. And there's a reason why it was nominated. I think you should watch it, Aziel. But I mean, I don't know hmm. like <laughs> exactly why you're not watching it, but I think you'd enjoy it. 
Yeah, no, and that's that's a good question. And I I just have a low tolerance for that type of uh, storyline. I, I have a low tolerance, so I tend to avoid films like that. What do you mean mm -hmm. that type of storyline? Uh, violence against women and children. Huh, okay. I have very low tolerance for that in films, so I just usually avoid avoid those like the Black Plague. That's like my untouchable okay. category when it comes to films, because yeah. I just, yeah, my tolerance just, I can't handle it. Totally. Mm -hmm. I think, can, it, yeah. what are you going to say, Matt? <clears throat> oh, it could just... It's yeah. just disturbing and it, it could be much, you know? Yeah. And a cumbersome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely those types of movies, like it can bring up stuff. So if you're sensitive that to that stuff, for sure, it's like, um, I think it could be hard to watch. But I do think it's a really good like movie of like awareness of the world. And it feels very real, which is also why it could be, be hard to watch for some people. But I do yeah. think it's like, it's, if you feel like you could watch it, I think you should because it's very well done and it's, I feel like it's very well thought out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm and interested. I definitely but I definitely believe it. And I am curious, but I still don't think I would just because I know my <laughs> tolerance level with that stuff. Totally. Um, and if I may transition mm -hmm. to my dips because it's talking it about violence. Yeah. Um, I saw the movie Nobody <laughs> yes! with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> oh my gosh that is a forever dipper um so highly good. highly recommend it for all our dippies but you also have to have a high tolerance for violence and continuing the streak of violence to make myself seem like a walking contradiction um i also saw mortal Kombat, the new one. Oh yeah i have no interest that is highly violent blood everywhere as a avid Mortal Kombat fan as a kid, I wasn't disappointed. I know there's going to be a lot of haters out there, and I know it's probably going to be an overall flop, but I actually liked it. I was entertained. I liked how they rebooted the series, and yeah, I would continue to watch the new ones. I don't know if I double dip, but I will continue to watch, kind of like Fast and the Furious. I don't ever want to go backwards and rewatch, but I will continue to watch if they release new films. So um, those are my two violent films that I love. Um, definitely nobody though. I like could not, like I wanted to just sit there and wait for it to restart again immediately. I just <laughs> loved it that much. So and good. then Bob Odenkirk in that type of role is He's just so awesome good. to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, did you see um, that movie? No, I'm, I'm okay. it's on my list for sure. Yeah. I saw his, yeah, his go uh, see it in the theater. Go see it in the yeah. theater. If okay. this was a COVID breaking theater film, I would say that this would be the one. If you were going to be like, I don't know yeah. what I want my first movie to be in the theaters when I go back, this is the one. This yeah. is the one that everyone's been waiting for to break back in their, their <laughs> movie theater uh, experiences. Yeah. Um, but Oscar buzz, that's, that's my bread and butter, as I was telling you guys. The father should have swept for me. I, Danielle and I both had our jaws on the floor. We were both trying to not weep uncontrollably wow. during and after the film. It destroys you. It destroys your soul. It's oh. beautiful. It's powerful. Anthony Hopkins. And I know this is a very controversial topic for Best Picture, especially with you know, Chadwick Bosman, I think his name is. 
you know, passing away. And mm-hmm. he had a very powerful role. I saw that Ma Rainey's, uh, that was a good film. But when we're talking about one of the best acting that I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. Being like Shaun of the Dead level, like having wall-to-wall movies, like obsessively watching movies my entire life and instantly putting this at the top for me as an acting. I just, yeah, I can't give high enough praise for the father. I should have, I think it should have won best picture. Wow. Um, but I also think Sound of Metal should have won over Nomadland. I also think Minari should have won over Nomadland. I deeply enjoyed Nomadland. That's another one I could talk about forever, but I don't think it was top three of all the movies. And I saw almost all the, I know I saw all of the Oscar nominees except for Promising Young Woman. Um, but I was still shocked that Nomadland won. But The Father, everyone needs to see it. Well done, case study on Alzheimer's, hyper-realistic, but it's actually creatively well done. And what I think you two would appreciate about it, it still feels like a play. If you guys didn't know, it was a movie converted from a play that was originally a play into a film. And I really like, it has that kind of Birdman feel, if you guys saw Birdman, where it kind of, it really much retains that sense of a play. And I think they did a good job kind of retaining that feel that it feels like almost like you're in the theater. Yeah, so sometimes that doesn't well translate done. well, but sometimes when it does, it, it hits hard. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm excited to see like like Fences with Denzel Washington was a play. I thought that landed really well. Into the yeah. Heights is another yeah, one. Fences. I'm curious to see what they do with that because that's that was a Broadway um, stage presence. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hooked, man. I'm I'm yeah. I'm like not excited to see the father because I'm a seven and I like to avoid pain on the Enneagram scale, but I'm also very excited to see it at the same time. I love oh, see, and I love, I love films that destroy my soul. Yeah. I don't like depressing, but I like pain and I like sad. Some of my top 10 films are all about the pain. And I think that's probably why I was also so obsessed with the father because it's not shy to pull you into the pain. And I wow. think it does it really well. That's how I felt about my girl when uh, Macaulay Culkin's character <laughs> died. Dude, I, I, yeah. wrote, I wrote him. I went in my room. I drew a picture of him. <laughs> and I wrote him a note. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I want to see The Father and Nomadland. Those are the two Oscar movies I haven't seen that I want to watch. And um, I feel like The Father will be hard because I will have. I, I need to process it with someone after. So. <laughs> I haven't seen Sound of Metal either. Both of you have mentioned that. I'm. Mm-hmm. I want to see that as well. Oh, it's excellent. So well done. Mm-hmm. And back to the father. <laughs> Danielle and I <laughs> talk couldn't about talk about it for 15 or 20 minutes after the movie because we were both like on the verge of crying every time we brought it up. Oh, like that's how powerful. That's how powerful Dang. it is, and that's how well the acting is. The script, yeah. the acting. It, it's just so well done. I'm not even exaggerating. We, we just had to both agree to not talk about it because it was going to make us both cry. I'm going to cry, okay. but so I'm going to go back to my question about yeah, the bird. I'm about to... <laughs> um, my favorite bird movie is Polly. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Sound of Metal. Uh, bird movie. Uh, man, I'll have to... Uh, Mar- my like, favorite the bird movie is The Lost World. <laughs> What's that? 
Oh, that's a Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Jurassic Park. It's a yo, bird movie. Yo, dinosaurs are birds. Velociraptor <laughs> was the first bird theory dinosaur, and I will stand yo, by that. Lost great. World, best bird movie. Wow. One time I knew this guy named Ray who had a bald head. He he was my youth. And, and one time he put a lot of sunscreen on his head, and someone was like, "Yo, Ray, it looks like a pterodactyl just took a dookie <laughs> on your." <laughs> okay, quick thoughts on Sound yeah. of Metal. Uh, <laughs> that I I enjoyed Sound of Metal. Uh, there's no birds in it, but um, I mean, there's not too you much else to hear say. Him. Yeah, yeah, you can't hear him. There's not too much else oh, to say cool. except for. <laughs> it's it's about a um heavy metal drummer who goes deaf and he's like he's in his 30s i think like right right around there and so it's like and so it really dives into his struggle and finding inner peace as he's doing that and trying to find um like he's you know trying to find instant way to heal himself and then it goes into different characters are kind of speaking into ways that they think he should go about it like i mean a big part of it he's he finds this school um where the the main guy there he wants to um he like he just wants him to figure out how to be like at peace with him being deaf but he just wants to fix it physically so it's kind of goes against like the physical versus like um emotional or just being spiritually happy and i I really liked like the themes of that movie and Mm -hmm. i I just thought it was really well done Mm. yeah and he i mean he was a strong contender in my opinion for best Mm -hmm. actor yes that was just so well done yeah Yes. Yeah, it's great. Um, so let's real quick, I want to do some trivia. Um, I got a, some fun Oscar questions for you guys that I think would be really good to do it. So we'll see how many go through. There's there's 10 questions. They're all pretty good. Um, so we'll go for a bit, but I'm just going to go back and forth through the classic. I'll ask one of you guys try try to answer process it um answer it fast and if you if you miss it we'll see if the other person can can pick it up okay so between um matt and aziel who's gonna win okay so we'll start with aziel so the first question is titanic and the lord of the rings the return of the king share the record for most oscars won by a single movie but how many awards did they both win Oh, how many did they both win? Uh, I want to say seven. Seven. Okay, that is wrong. Um, Matt, what do you I think? I want to say is? 15. 15. That is also wrong. So I think they were both nominated around 13. Yes, the, the correct answer is, is 11. Wow. Dang, that's, that's not impressive. bad. Yeah, that's pretty good um so yeah (laughs) i like i like that hold on i just lost a page i would melt down my statue if i had 13 of them i would melt that down (laughs) and either make one big one i don't even know what the guy is a super oscar super oscar yeah does does just like the director get them all or like it was probably i mean different people win them for different things so um so okay next question matt we're gonna start with you which of the Godfather movies won the most Oscars? Godfather 2. Yeah, I was going to say, you give him the easy one. He only has three to choose from. <laughs> You're right. I, I was going to say 2 too. <laughs> okay, Ezeal. Well, Matt still's got the point, but you know. Although I think they're equally good. I think they're equally good. No, everyone knows still... the second one's the best one. Everyone no, it's knows not. That. Everyone Everybody thinks they know that. The first one is the grand. One. 
No. Guys, I haven't seen any it's, of them. It's one of the few sequels where everyone's like, yep, the sequel's better. better? Okay. Most, most people say that, but I, I'm not most people. I think the first one rules. Okay. Is yeah, you got to just be your Italian, you know, push back against the crowd. <laughs> okay. No one else truly understands mop life. <laughs> All right, AZL. I got who, ties. Who won the best act, actor Oscar at the 2020 Academy Awards? So who won the best actor? At so the who won best actor the hard ones. You do give him the hard ones. I'm just going back and forth. <laughs> I know, right? You, you have a multiple choice implied in your question. Uh, best actor. Um, I'm trying to even remember the films from last year. I can give you the multiple choice. Uh, I don't know if I want multiple yeah, choice. I think, I think you would be... give it away if you gave it yeah, to him. Yeah, I, I think he's right. You're right. I think it's the nominees. This guy's such an Oscar fan. He can remember a year ago. That's a... <laughs> I can't, though. My memory is like the worst on the planet. <laughs> okay, so it's like a trivia. Okay, Matt, you remember. take a guess. Oh, Matt, man, don't can you pick it up. <laughs> okay, so we have last year. Okay. What we have on the table, dude. We had uh, there was a, all there I was can remember is Roma. 1917. I remember Roma yeah. Tomato. I think if Roma I said tomato. it, it would give it away. Um, okay. so it was the genre. Oh, it was what? probably Moonlight. It was Moonlight. No, that was like three years ago. Yeah, that was three. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so the best, the best actor. So it was um, Joaquin Phoenix in um, <sighs> the Joker. Oh, I should have yeah. known that. Yeah. I because so, I also thought yeah so you're like saying I'm like I was so proud of that yeah I was so proud of that you're proud of his performance yeah I I just was glad I was glad they gave it to him because he totally deserved it mm-hmm. he poured hey, Matt, his heart poured do you know who won the best actress in 2020 yeah uh Francis Mc is it Francis no it's not even no, me. it's the skinny blonde girl, really tall. I forgot her name. Um, what? I don't know how to look her up. What was she in? Oh, well, that would give it away. What movie was she in? I actually don't even know what this what this is. I don't even remember the name of the All movie. This... I just remember. Wait a minute. Skinny, skinny tall blonde girl. She's in her oh, mid fifty, forties, fifties. Is she it's British? Rene- it's Renee Zellweger from Judy. Oh yeah, I was kind of oh, bummed out by that. I yeah. actually—that's not. Are you thinking, thinking Charlie Stern? Because she was one of the no. options. No. No, I know her name. Okay. Um, <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually just—it's one of the movies that I watched much later on because I couldn't have access to it. She, yeah. yeah, she did a great job acting. That's actually a pretty good movie. Judy. Yeah, I it'll also kind of wreck your soul a little bit because it's mm-hmm. pretty sad. Yeah. Aziel, do you know who is the only actor or actress to ever win four Oscars? Meryl Streep. No, she's yeah. one of the options, though. It was Catherine. I... Or, oh, sorry, Matt. What are you going to say? No, no, I wasn't going to say Catherine. Yeah. Uh, it's Meryl <laughs> Streep. There, there's no question. It's Meryl Streep. Catherine. No, it's, it, it says to win four. Maybe she's won more than that. Catherine's Catherine Zeta Jones won four. Yeah, I don't know. You can look oh, up Catherine how many. Hepburn? Yeah. You can look up how many Meryl Streep. How many won. Oscars I was gonna say, has Meryl Streep won? Hopkins, because he he's won a couple, right? Yeah, I, so I don't think it's the one who won the most. I think he was asking a specific number. It was kind of a oh. question. Oh. So I was saying he's the only one to win four. So, 
Um, I I don't know how many they've won, but Anthony Hopkins probably won a good good chunk. Um, here's a here's a fun question. So Quentin Tarantino has never won the best director Oscar, yep. but he yeah. won best screenplay twice. Can you name both of those movies that he won best screenplay for, Matt? Oh. If Matt can't do that, I'm gonna you. I'm gonna externally process this. How dare you? Oh, I, I think I think Pulp Fiction is up there. Um, and Inglorious Bastards could also be up there. I was um, gonna say Inglorious Bastards. I don't think Django Unchained won anything. Well, it goes by so fast. Um, that's Meryl Streep's uh, been nominated twenty-one times. Jackie Brown. Jackie, nope. <laughs> Meryl Streep's been nominated 21 times and has won only three times. Meryl Streep's been nominated. Wow. 20, 21 times. I wonder what that is, that batting average is in the Oscar world. Like if that's actually pretty yeah. good, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it seemed like a, like a lot of these, I was looking like people have won a lot less than you think they would have because their names are brought up a lot because they went... That's okay. my two, and uh, Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. Okay, so it is Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Holy. Oh, man. yeah. My goodness. <laughs> You're not good at that. We, lo- we lost Aziel for a second. That's okay. Um, so, oh, yeah, here it comes. Well, oh, I, maybe you didn't hear the answer, so maybe we'll ask. Okay. Hey, Aziel. Aziel, did you hear me say the answer earlier? No, I didn't. So now that the audience knows, um, what are the two that he won? It's definitely Inglorious Bastards. Um, you're already giving me a face. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I was gonna say, I was gonna say Django Unchained, even though I hated it. Um, yes. So it's Django Unchained, and Glorious Bastards is, is not there. But is there one more you can think of? It was a recent one. Um, it couldn't be the Hateful Eight. What was the last movie he made? I forgot. I'm not. What was the very last movie? <laughs> what? Matt doesn't want to. Help oh, you. I'm not gonna throw yeah, you a bone. Yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, which I funny. didn't like that yeah. one either. Oh, you didn't? I thought that one was okay. No. The Hateful Eight is actually probably up there for me in Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino movies. I love that one. Did you not like it? I liked it, but dang. Yeah, I don't know. Some of his movies don't hit as well for me. Um, Hateful Eight for me is one of those quintessential questions of how far was too far. There's that infamous mm. scene in Hateful Eight that my friend and I, with Steven, debated how far was too far with that movie, and I felt like he went too far. I don't know I what like you're talking him. about. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's okay though. We don't need to go into it. Um, Matt, I have a question about your favorite genre. Um, it is the horror genre of movies. Just kidding, just kidding. For those who know, Matt doesn't like horror movies. Um, do you know though, what was the very first horror movie to be nominated for best picture? Um, I would say the shining, but I don't know if that's considered a horror or a thriller. Um, so wait, let, me, guess. let me just say either the shining or there's also Carrie which I haven't seen. Mm. Oh, isn't that a newer one? No. That's Don't like take a... mine. I know what mine's going to be. I'll, I'll say The Shining. Okay. I didn't look at your face to see if you were making a Aziel, what do, you, what do you think it is? Mine is The Exorcist. 
you're correct it is the exorcist oh, yes. yeah i would i would have guessed that too because it's a, it's an older ish one and it is i feel like it's just very well known as like a as like groundbreaking horror film. yeah groundbreaking horror film i saw it recently for the first time and it is like it's still it still holds to up this really day. well yeah yeah to this day it's it like does, oh, shit. yeah it does a really good job at like you think it's over and it ain't over <laughs> like i love that it's a good movie um watch it <laughs> all right so we'll just do one more question because you know we got we got bedtime um for what movie did leonardo dicaprio finally win his first oscar oh the and one where he gets mauled by a bear <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are correct it's revenant the revenant you know, some people would say it wasn't mutual but i think it was mutual <laughs> what <laughs> okay well we're gonna end on that note friends um thank you so much for listening um you are loved and watch out for bears octopuses birds um, octopi i don't know um you have a good day friends velociraptors (laughs) we'll see you next time on the double dippers that's just an epic mic it's the big daddy johnson mic dude that is a huge mic that's a big dude that's a magic mic (laughs) yeah